Section one of Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de Libera, translated by Robert Southey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Graymore. Book one, chapter one and two of Amadis of Gaul. Chapter one, the introduction and beginning of this history. Not many years after the passion of our Redeemer, there was a Christian king in Lesser Britain by the name Gerinter, who, being in the law of truth, was of much devotion in good ways. This king had two daughters by a noble lady his wife. The eldest was married to Languines, king of Scotland. She was called the Lady of the Garland, because her husband, taking great pleasure to behold her beautiful tresses, would have them covered only with a chaplet of flowers. Agrias and Mabilia were their children, a knight and damsel of whom in this history much mention is made. Elisena, the other daughter, was far more beautiful, and although she had been demanded in marriage by many great princes, yet she would wed with none. But for her solitary and holy life was commonly called the lost devotee, because it was considered that for one of such rank, gifted with such beauty and sought in marriage by so many chiefs, this way of life was not fitting. King Carinta, who was somewhat stricken in years, took delight in hunting. It happened one day that having gone from his town of Alima to the chase, and being separated from his people, as he went along the forest saying his prayers, he saw to the left a brave battle of one knight against two. Soon he had knowledge of the twain, in that they were his own vassals, who, being proud men and of powerful lineage, had often, by their evil customs, offended him. Who the third was he knew not, but now relying so much on the worth of the one, as he feared the two, he drew aside and waited the event, which sorted to such effect, as by the hand of that one the others were both slain. This done, the stranger came towards the king, and seeing him alone, said, "'Gentle sir, what country is this wherein knights errant are thus assailed?' The king replied, "'Marvel not at this knight, for our country yields as others do, both good and bad. As for these men, they have often offended, even against their lord and king, who could do no justice upon them because of their kindred, and also because they harbored in this covered mountain.' "'This king you speak of,' replied the stranger, "'I come to seek him from a far land.' and bring him tidings from a dear friend. If you know where he may be found, I pray ye tell me. The king answered, Befall what may, I shall not fail to speak what is true. I am the king. The knight, then loosing his shield and helmet, gave them to his squire, and went to embrace Garinta, saying that he was King Pedion of Gaul, who had long desired to know him. Greatly were these kings contented that their meeting was in such a manner, and conferring together, they took their way through the wood towards the city, when suddenly a heart ran before them, which had escaped the toils. They followed at full speed, thinking to kill it, but a lion, springing from a thicket before them, seized the heart, and having torn it open with his mighty claws, stood fiercely looking at the kings. "'Fierce as you are,' said King Perion, "'you shall leave us part of that game.' And he took his arms and alighted from his horse, who, being affrighted at the wild beast, would not go near him, and placing his shield before him, went towards the lion, sword in hand. The lion left his prey and came against him. They closed and Perion, at that moment, when he was under the beast and in most danger, thrust his sword into his belly. When Garinta saw him fall, he said within himself, Not without cause is that knight famed to be the best in the world. Meanwhile their train came up, and then was their prey and venison laid on two horses and carried to the city. The queen, being advised of her guest, they found the palace richly adorned and the tables covered. At the highest the king seated themselves, at the other sat the queen with Alisena, her daughter and there were they served, as in the house of such a man beseemed. 
then being in that solace as that princess was so beautiful and king perion and his part equal in that hour and point they so regarded each other that her great modesty and holy life could not now avail but that she was taken with great and incurable love and the king in like manner though till then his heart had been free so that during the meal both the one and the other appeared absent in thought when the tables were removed the queen would depart to her chamber and lasena rising dropped a ring from her lap which she had taken off when she washed her hands and in the confusion of her mind forgotten she stooped for it and perdion who was near her stooped down also so that their hands met and he taking her hand pressed it she coloured deeply and thanked the king for his service ah lady said he it shall not be the last for all my life shall be spent in your service she followed her mother but so disturbed that her sight was dizzy and now not able to endure her feelings she went and discovered them to the damsel darioletta in whom she confided and with tears from her eyes and from her heart besought her to find out if king perdion loved any other woman darioletta surprised at this alteration pitied and comforted her mistress and went to king perdion's chamber she found his squire at the door with the king's garments which he was about to give him friend said she go you about your other affairs for i must wait upon your master the squire thinking it was the custom of the country gave her the garments and went away she then entered the chamber where the king was in bed he who had seen her converse with elisena confidently now hoped that she might bring some remedy to his passion and said to her all in trembling fair friend what demand ye i bring you wherewith to clothe yourself she replied that should be for my heart said perion which is now stripped and naked of all my joy as how said the damsel thus quoth he coming into this land with entire liberty and apprehending nothing but the chance of arms here in this house i have been wounded by a mortal wound for which if you fair damsel can procure me remedy you shall be well recompensed he then charged her not to discover him but where it was requisite and told her his love for elisena then said darioletta my lord promise me on the faith of a king and a knight that you will take to wife my lady elisena when time shall serve and right soon will i bring ye where not only your heart shall be satisfied but hers also who it may be is in as much or more thought and dollar than you with the same wound but without this promise you shall never win her the king whose will was already disposed by god that that which ensued might come to pass took his sword which was by him and laying his right hand upon the cross of its hilt pronounced these words i swear by this cross and this sword wherewith i received the order of knighthood to perform whatever you shall require for the lady elisena be you then of good cheer said she for i also will effect my promise darioletta returned to the princess and told her how she had sped you know said she that in the chamber where king perion lodgeth there is a door opening to the garden whence your father used to go out and which at this present is covered with the hangings but i have the key thereof and we can go in at night when all in the palace are at rest when elisena heard this she was highly contented recollecting herself she replied how shall this be brought to pass seeing that my father will lodge in the chamber with king perion leave that to me said the damsel and with that they parted when it was night darioletta drew aside the squire of perion and asked him if he was of gentle birth i said he the son of a knight but why ask ye the desire i have quoth she to know one thing which i beseech you by the faith you owe to god and to the king your master not to hide from me who is the lady whom your master loveth best my master replied the squire loves all in general and none as you mean 
While they thus talked, Garinta came nigh, who, seeing Darioletta in conference with Perdion Squire, called her and asked her what he had to say to her. In sooth, my lord, quoth she, he tells me that his master is wont to be alone, and certainly I think he will feel himself embarrassed by your company. Garinta, hearing that, went to King Perdion and said, My lord, I have many affairs to settle, and must rise at the hour of matins, and that you may not be disturbed, you had better be alone in your chamber. King Perdion replied, Do as shall seem best to your liking. Then Garinta understood that Darioletta had told him rightly of his guest's inclination, and ordered his bed to be removed from Perion's apartment. These tidings Darioletta carried to her mistress, and they waited the hour when all should retire to sleep. End of chapter 1 Chapter 2 How Amadis Was Begotten and Born At night, when all was hushed, Darioletta rose and threw a mantle over her mistress, and they went into the garden. When Elisena came to the chamber door, her whole body trembled, and her voice that she could not speak. King Perion had fallen asleep. He dreamt that someone, he knew not who, entered his chamber by a secret door, who, thrusting a hand between his ribs, took out his heart and threw it into the river. He asked why that cruelty was committed, and was answered, It is nothing, there is another heart left there which I must take from you, though against my will. Then the king suddenly awoke in great fear and blessed himself. At this moment the two damsels had opened the door and were entering. He heard them, and being full of his dream, suspected treason. When he saw a door open behind the hangings, of which he had not known, and leaping from his bed he caught up his sword and shield. "'What is this?' cried Darioletta. The king then knew her, and saw Elisena, his beloved. He dropped his shield and sword, and throwing a mantle about him, which was ready by the bed, he went and embraced her whom he loved. Darioletta then took up the sword, in token of his promise and oath, and went into the garden, and Perion remained alone with Elisena, in whom, as he beheld her by the light of the three torches, he thought all the beauty of the world was centred. When it was time that they should part, Darioletta returned to the chamber. I know, lady, said she, that heretofore you have been better pleased with me than you are now, but we must go, for time calleth us. Elisena rose. I beseech you, said Perion, do not forget the place. And she departed with the damsel. He remained in his room, and recollecting his dream, which still affrighted him, a wish to know its significance made him desirous to return to his own country where were many wise men skilful in the solution of such things. Ten days King Perion sojourned at Lima, and every night his beloved mistress visited him. Then it was necessary that he should depart, despite of his own inclination, in the tears of Elisena. He took leave of Garinta and the queen, and having armed himself, when he looked for his sword to gird it on, he missed it. Though the loss grieved him, for it was a tried and goodly weapon, he durst not inquire for it. But making his squire procure him another, he departed straight for his own kingdom. Albeit, before his departure, Darioletta came and told him of the great affliction and loneliness in which his lady was left. "'I commend her to you, my friend,' said he, "'as mine own proper heart.' Then taking from his finger a ring of two which he wore, each resembling the other, he bade her carry it to his love. So Elisena remained, leading a solitary life and in great grief. Darioletta comforted her the best she could, and the time passed on, till she felt herself great with the child and lost the appetite for food and the pleasure of sleep and the fresh colour of her countenance. Then was her sorrow and carefulness greater, and not without cause, for in that time was there a law that any woman, of what quality or state soever, offending in such sort, could not excuse herself from death. This so cruel and abominable a custom endured, till the coming of the good King Arthur, who was the best king that ever there reigned. He revoked it at the time when he slew Floyon in battle before the gates of Paris. And albeit, because of the words which Perion swore upon his sword, she was without fault before God, 
yet she was not before the world, for they had been so secret. To let him know her condition was what she could not think, for he was young and proud of heart, and took no delight elsewhere than where renown was to be gained, and so was forever going on errant night from one place to another. So she found no remedy for her life, yet did not the loss of life afflict her so much as that of her dear and beloved lord. But God, by whose permission all this had come to pass for his holy service, gave such discretion to Darioletta that she remedied all. In the palace of King Garinta there was an arched chamber separated from the rest, which overlooked the river. It had a little iron door through which the damsels sometimes were wont to go out by the waterside, but now none inhabited the apartment. This chamber, by Darioletta's advice, did Elisena request of her father, as suiting her disposition and solitary life, where she might perform her prayers undisturbed, with no companion but Darioletta, who had always served and accompanied her. This request she lightly obtained, and hereupon was the key of the iron door given to Darioletta, to open when it pleased the princess, to recreate herself by the river. Here was Elisena somewhat comforted to find herself in a place so convenient for her purpose, and she required counsel of her damsel, what should be done with the fruit that she travailed withal. What? replied Darioletta, it must suffer to save you. Holy Mary, then said Elisena, shall I consent to destroy the child of him who I love best in the world? Leave alone those thoughts, the damsel answered. If they kill you, they will not spare the infant. It were great folly to destroy yourself and your lover, who could not live after you, for the sake of saving the child, who if you die must die also. As this damsel was of quick mind herself, and now guided by the grace of God, she determined to have the remedy ready before the need. And it was in this guise she took four boards, and with them made an ark large enough to contain a newborn child and its garments, and long enough for the sword, she fastened them together with bitumen, and such sort as the water should have no place to enter. She hid all this under her bed till she had completed it, and it was even and close as if a master had made it. Then she showed it to Elisena, and asked for what she thought it was designed. She answered, I know not. You shall know, said the damsel, when need is. Elisena replied, But little do I care to know what is done or what is said, for I am near to lose all my joy and comfort. Then had Daryl had a great grief, and she wept apart, not bearing to see her mistress weep. It was not long before her travail came, and in those new and strange pains, in bitterness of heart, and not daring to cry out or groan, it pleased the Lord that she was safely delivered of a son. The damsel took him in her arms, and saw that the boy was a fair boy, had he not been born to hard fortune. But she delayed not to execute what of necessity had been resolved. She wrapped him in rich garments, and laying him by his mother brought the ark. Elisena cried, "'What will you do?' "'Place him here,' she answered, "'and launch him down the stream, "'and be like he may escape.' Then the mother took him in her arms and wept bitterly over him, but Darioletta took ink and parchment and wrote upon it, "'This is Amadis, son of a king. "'It was the name of her saint "'and of great reverence in that country. "'She covered the parchment with wax "'and hung it by a string round the neck of the babe, "'and Elisena fastened upon the string "'the ring which King Perion had given her at his departure.' Darioletta then placed the infant in the ark and laid his father's sword beside him. This done, she covered the ark, which was securely joined and caulked, and opening the iron door, took it in her arms and placed it in the river, commending it to God. The tide ran strong, and soon carried the ark into the sea, which was not more than a half-league distant. Now the dawn appeared, and it pleased God that there was a knight of Scotland sailing on that sea, returning from the lesser Britain to his country, with his wife, who had newly been delivered of a son called Gandalin. The morning was both calm and clear, whereby the knight Gandales saw the ark floating among the waves, 
and he ordered the mariners to put out a boat and take it up. They speedily overtook it, and Gundeles opened the cover, and beholding the babe within, he cried, This is from no mean place. And this he said because of the rich garments, and the ring, and the good sword, and he cursed the mother who had for fear abandoned so fair a child. He carefully laid aside all the things that were contained in the ark, and desired his wife to breed up the infant, and she ordered the nurse of her own child, Gandeline, to suckle him. So they went their way through the sea, with a favourable time, and took port in a town in Scotland called Antalya. And from thence departing they came to his castle, which was one of the good ones of the land. There he had the child brought up like his own son, and such he was believed to be, because the mariners who took up the ark had sailed away to other parts. End of chapter 2